You are Locked On Jets, your daily podcast on the New York Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for joining us today on the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe to it. Your options include iTunes and Spotify. And if you enjoy it, please leave the show a good review in iTunes. A little update for you. Yesterday, I asked the person who left me a two-star review in iTunes to contact me. I was just really interested why I would get two stars instead of one. Obviously, if you give me two stars, you don't really like the show. But what was it that pushed the show from one star to two star? I was just very intrigued. And I have not heard yet from the person who left the two-star review. So if you are listening, and again, as I said yesterday, if... I have angered you to the point where you feel the need to go to iTunes and leave a two-star review. Maybe you shouldn't be listening, so maybe you're not listening, but I still am intrigued, and I think everybody else out there is. I've heard, I heard plenty of theories from some listeners yesterday as to why the two-star review was left, and I, I'm happy that it wasn't a one-star even though you don't like me, but I'm still interested. So if you are listening today, get in touch with me. I'm just... I still can't... As I said yesterday, if you really hate it that much, I don't know what would push it from one star to two stars. So, anyway, it is option season for the Jets, and I'm talking contract options. This week, they have made a few decisions on team options for contracts, and I'm sure you know this, but in case you don't, there are some contracts where the team has the ability to void the deal before the off-season, essentially. Essentially, the team decides whether to continue the contract or whether to end the contract and make the player a free agent. So Jets have made a few decisions, and we'll talk about those decisions on today's podcast. The first is the Jets decided to not pick up the 2018 option for offensive lineman Ben Ijelana. Ijelana signed a two-year, $11 million contract last offseason to remain with the team. He had been with the team for a number of years. That two-year deal did, however, have a team option. The Jets could decide whether to exercise that option, keep Ijelana in place for 2018, or let him at free agency. And they just, they decided to decline the option. So there are some salary cap implications on this. Um, the Jets create somewhere between 4.6 and 4.7 million dollars of cap space and over the cap if you ever check that website out it has everything you could ever want to know about the nfl salary cap about player contracts and they have cap figures for each player they suggest that the jets are still going to be on the hook for 1.25 million and that's resulting from the contract that they signed last year and you've heard me rant about this plenty so we'll do one last rant on this contract. And maybe that's maybe that's the reason I got two stars in the iTunes review instead of one star from that from that guy. Maybe he just really enjoyed my Ben Ijelana rants. But this was just I don't like to go over the top. I feel like everything is in today's society, it's always the best or the worst, and we don't have any context of history. So I really don't like saying stuff like this, but it just was really one of the dumbest moves I've ever seen a team make because 
it's not the type, even though it's not the type of move that changes the traje- trajectory of a franchise, it was not a Muhammad Wilkerson type contract. It was not a Darrell Rivas type contract. If you want to go back far enough, it wasn't the type of deal that the Jets gave Mark Sanchez the mistaken extension back in 2012. But with those moves, you at least can understand why the Jets did what they did. They thought they were getting a high-end player, so they paid the guy a lot of money. And yes, their views were mistaken. Their projections were wrong. Wilkerson was not a, was not going to continue being a star. Revis was not going to continue being a star. Sanchez was not going to grow into a star. But there was at least a logic behind the moves. There was a thought process, and it's a bad thought process, and I'm not saying that excuses you. I'm not saying simply having a thought process gets you off the hook when the deal doesn't work out. It is your job to make sure that you sign good contracts. You don't want to waste money. And when it comes to those big money deals, they have more of an impact than a deal like Aishalana's. There's no doubt about that. Those those can be potentially franchise-altering moves because of the amount of money, the amount of cap space that's used up. It limits you in other areas. So, this Aishalana contract didn't have the same implications. It was not as big of a negative, but I think just in terms of pure thought process, it was one of the dumbest things I've ever seen an NFL team do because this was a player who had no track record of success in the league. He'd been in the league a long time as well. He was drafted back in 2011 by the Colts in the second round. I remember that because I was there. I was actually, that was, that's one draft I actually covered and I was sitting next to a guy who covered the Colts, so I, I distinctly remember that pick. He moved on to the Jets. He, I mean, he barely played in the NFL. He barely had seen the field. He just was not a success story. And 2016 was really the first time in his career that he saw substantial playing time because the Jets had some injuries on the offensive line, starting with Breno Giacomini. Then later in the year, Ryan Clady got hurt, so Ajalana played a little bit of right tackle, a little bit of left tackle, and his play was, at best, spotty. This was not a guy who showed you he could play in the NFL, and he's a guy who was, again, had been in, in the league around six years, so it's not like there was a lot of upside there. By the time you're in the league six years, you're almost guaranteed to not get a lot better. You, you've essentially peaked at that point. You are who you are. So... There was really no chance of this guy becoming anything more than a, kind of a spare part. It's the type of guy you should be bringing to training camp and you know, seeing if he can make the roster, giving him a shot to make the team, and he should be very thankful if he's given that opportunity. Instead, the Jets gave this guy over $4 million last year. I mean, he counted over $4 million against the cap, played around 60 snaps on offense. I mean, that's terrible value management. And I've heard all kinds of theories in oh, – about this contract, and some people said, I've heard a few people say that they gave it to him because they didn't realize they were going to be able to sign Kelvin Beecham. Well, that doesn't make sense. I mean, you're a terrible planner if that's the case, if you're panicking and overpaying a guy because you're, you're not sure you can sign another another guy, and then you go on and sign the other guy. I mean, what kind of planning is that? And even if it wasn't terrible planning, it's a it was a huge overpay for a guy who just did not deserve that money. I mean, this was a guy the Jets found off the street, he played at the level of a guy who came off the street, and you could find another guy off the street for cheap money. So I had to get one last 
Ajalana rant out of my system, so thank you for indulging me there. It was a terrible contract. I mean, I can't give these guys credit for making this move because they could only make this move because they did something so dumb in the first place. I mean, the only reason... I, I can't, I'm not going to give the Jets credit for, for making a smart decision and letting him go because the only reason they're in position to make a smart decision this year was they made a 10 times dumber decision last year by signing him to this contract. The fact that they needed to escape this contract it was just just shows you how dumb they were last year when they gave it to him. And I guess the reason it drives me nuts is that it, it's not... Again, it's not a four million is not a franchise-altering move, but it's just emblematic of a team that's run so inefficiently, a team that's just been run so dumb for years and years and years under a number of different regimes, and you want it to change, and then they do stuff like this, and it's like how you know you're you're telling me trust trust you, trust you that we we've got the plan in place, and you do something like this. I mean, jeez. Anyway, so at least we don't have to talk about this contract anymore. The Jets could resign him, of course. There's nothing against. There's nothing that would preclude them from resigning if they wanted him to be back as a backup. Let's just hope they get a little smarter with the, the money, with the contracts, with the philosophies. In happier news, the Jets decided to pick up the contract of Steve McClendon. McClendon, of course, signed before the 2016 offseason, uh, had an option this year. Spot track indicates that McClendon's cap hit will be around $4.3 million, and that's again. That's not a ton of money. That's actually pretty pricey for a nose tackle. You know, McClendon's actually going to be paid kind of like a high-end nose tackle, so it's not not a cheap deal. But I like it. I think it's a good move. I think McClendon's a very good player. I think he's a very good nose tackle. He's one of the few, I would say, genuine success stories the Jets have had in free agency under Mike Mike McCagnan. There really haven't been many. James Carpenter's another, but. You know, McClendon's really given you everything you could have asked for. He's not a full-time player. That's just not the way today's NFL works. You know, you're a run-stopping nose tackle. It's a passing league, so McClendon's kind of a part-time player, but he plays his role very well. This is the type of player the Jets really need more of. Jets need more players of this caliber. And it's funny, I was thinking this yesterday... This Jets roster is not very good, so you would think any good player would really, really stand out. And I, I if you even if you go back to like the, the really dark days, like Rich Kotite time, I remember Mo Lewis who was always really good. He really stood out because he was such a good player. And when you have no good teammates, that's really when you do stand out because you you shine because fans are looking for. Some, something to be positive about. Fans are looking for something to be excited about. And let's be honest, the guy who's really good on a team that's really bad is going to stick out just because he's so different from everybody else. McClendon really has kind of flown under the radar. And again, it's he, does, he doesn't play the most important role. And he's not he's not a guy who's on the field full time. And again, the, it's because of the way the NFL is shifting. It is very much a passing league these days. But... It's kind of amazing that a guy like McClendon can f fly under the radar because when you talk about good players the Jets have, he's not his name doesn't really come up that much. You'll hear a lot of Leonard Williams, and Leonard Williams is better. You'll hear the two rookie safeties. McClendon's the one veteran on this team who's genuinely a good player, genuinely does his job well. Again, it's not a cheap deal, but I think he's worth it. And it's not you know, and when I say four point three million is not a cheap deal, I'm saying relative to other guys who do the same role. He is fairly expensive, but this is a case where I think you pay a little premium for 
quality. So I, I don't mind doing that. It's not, a, you know, it's not, not a case where I'm against spending money. I'm against spending money for guys who aren't that good. I'm against spending money when you can find a guy who's just as good elsewhere for a cheaper rate. I'm not sure that would be so easy with McClendon. He's a, again, he's a good player. So I have no problem bringing him back on that contract. I think that that's a good move. I agree with that decision. So I agree with the Ijolana move. I give them no credit for that, though, because how can I give them credit for declining a contract that was dumb to be begin with? It was dumb that the contract shouldn't have existed. The McClendon move, I give them credit for. They did a good job. This was a good signing, an effective signing, effective use of money. I think the third year, again, if he continues on his current trajectory, that's going to be an effective use of money, so good move. And there was one third move that we're going to talk about. The Jets exercised the second-year option for the contract of Josh Martin, who is the back, the kind of a depth linebacker. He play, actually played college football at Columbia, so another Ivy League guy on the Jets. And Martin will cost around $2.1 million. Would I say I'm upset about this deal? No, that would be too much. I mean, $2.1 million, we're not talking about a ton of money. I think I would say I have some quibbles with this deal. I, I, I don't love this move. Uh, it's not again, it's, it's not enough money for me to really get fired up the way I did with the contract we talked about earlier in the show. But I don't think I don't like the move for from a couple standpoints. Is um, Martin's a good special teamer, but that's too much money for a special teamer. And they gave him more of a role on on the defense this year. That was part of the calculus, I think, when they gave him the contract. Was they viewed him as a part time defensive player? He really was not that good. He was a guy who played the edge. And he was not much of a pass rusher. He played, you know, he played a good game Buffalo Week One, and I think that raised some hopes. And maybe that got stuck in people's minds. I think when you play a good game early, sometimes it gets stuck stuck in your mind, and you your perception of a player is that he's better than he really is. Martin really, when I reviewed some of these games, he really stood out as a as a flyability a number of times. He played a couple of good games here or there, but for the most part, he was a liability on the defensive side of the ball. So I don't think he's earned his money as a uh, defensive player. Really not a great pass rusher. Just not, I don't think he's an impact guy. I think he's a good special teamer. And here's the thing about special teamers is I, I think special teams is really important. I don't think teams put enough emphasis on it. But that's not, I'm not talking about roster building here. When it, when it comes to roster building, you have to be able to find special teamers off the scrap heap. And that's how the Jets found Martin. They found Martin off the scrap heap. And they, they got a cheap, valuable special teamer when he first arrived with the Jets. That's what you have to do. And those spots have to be used for players who have a potential future, who could potentially develop into more than special teamers. And that's what Martin, again, that's what Martin was when he first arrived with the Jets. He was a guy who maybe he, because he contributed on special teams, he's got a shot to develop into more. We're going to work with him, see if he can turn into something more. And he did not. He really was not an effective player. What the Jets, what I'd like to see the Jets do is get, get a little cheaper and get a little younger. You have to be, again, you have to be able to find cheap special teams help. That's just the way the league works. That's the way the financial structure of the league is set up. And in doing that, hopefully you find a guy with more upside. Right now you got a roster spot taken up by a guy who's not going to be anything more than a career special teamer. And yes, he, he has value on the special team side. He has value playing coverage, but 
for me, that's not enough when you get to Martin's age. Martin's been in the league long enough where, again, he's at that point where you know he's not going to grow into more. Now, again, I'm not going crazy over $2.1 million. That's just, it's not enough money to get really upset about, but I think that that roster spot could be used more efficiently. And so that's where my quibble exists. And again, it's just one of those little things that I look at to see, is, is my team being run efficiently? Am I maximizing all of my resources? Sometimes resources is money. And in this instance, $2.1 million for a special team are not a great use of resources. More importantly, though, I think just the roster spot, am I finding special team special teams contributors who could develop into more? Because if you're a rebuilding team, if you're, if you're telling me you're building through youth, well, is having a guy like Martin, a guy at Martin's age, you know, this is not the youngest guy. He's 26 years old, which uh, it's not old. 26 is not old football terms, but I'm sorry, 26 is not, to, not old in you know, real world terms, but in football terms, it's not young. So if you, you know, you're telling me you're rebuilding around the, you're building around the youth movement, but you're paying a 26-year-old guy who doesn't really contribute, has no upside, $2.1 million, just not something I'd love. Again, not, I'm not going crazy on it, but if you're asking me, was this the right move? I'd say no, and those are the reasons why. Thanks for listening today. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. If you enjoy the show, subscribe to it. Options include iTunes and Spotify. And if you enjoy it, leave the show a good review in iTunes. Hope you have a great Wednesday. We will be back on Thursday.